Hi, I'm Delius Kennedy. Welcome to Rogers Music Tour. Let's rock. This is um, this is a special day for me. This is um, an example of persistence, probably coupled with a little bit of annoyance. But um, Delius <laughs> has become a friend of mine from afar, and um, I've asked him to be a part of this. And I think just finally, because he got tired of me asking, uh, he's <laughs> he's kind enough to to gift his time to me today. But um, this is uh, this is very special, and I, I'm I'm very grateful that we get to spend time together. And um, you know, as a as a child, uh, I was born in 1980, and I gravitated towards music at, a, at an early age. And the sound that struck me differently was R&B and soul, um, whether it was Motown, whether it was um, Mary J, whether it was Color Me Bad, whether it was Boys to Men, Jodeci, uh, Keith Sweat, any of those groups. Um, but if I had to go and pinpoint one group and one singer that epitomizes an entire generation of sound and generation of heartbreak, of falling in love, of um, just kind of finding yourself, it would be my friend Delius's group, All for One. Um, Delius, we're going to get into the how you got here part, but just before I forget um, my thank you, uh, know what your music does, what your music has done for people like me is immeasurable. And uh, my goal with this podcast is to get people a glimpse inside your story differently with the goal of supporting you uh, from here on out as best we can. So thank you for, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction as well. You're welcome. How did that do versus the other intros you've gotten for the last 30 years? That was pretty good. That's a lot of uh, great uh, names you just put uh, lumped us up with. So it's always nice to be lumped up with some of the uh, artists that you mentioned. Good, cool. Well, the first time I heard you, and this will show you how I was kind of a loner, I still am, but I was a loner as a kid, and I was a big fan of In Living Color and Arsenio Hall. And so the first mm -hmm. time I actually heard you sing was on Arsenio, which I believe was before All for One. But yeah, you remember that randomly? Man. Yeah. So randomly, I was a kid that instead of watching Leno or Letterman or Johnny Carson, even back in the day, I always gravitated towards Arsenio. And I think one of the first guests I heard him have on there was Magic Johnson, who I was a fan of. And so I've literally been a fan um, since kind of relative day one. So, um, well, yeah, that was definitely something that was my, actually that's where Open one actually saw me on was the uh, Arsenio when I got on that show. So yeah, surprised you actually remember the very, very, very beginning of it all. I actually did not know that was the literal beginning, but um, <laughs> maybe I'm one of the, the few people to have written the wave the whole time. So, um, so we'd like to tell the story here and, and, and get, you know, a, a piece of your journey captured. And so why, why don't we start from the beginning where Luther, little Luther uh, was born that <laughs> when you learned that you had the gift and, and you learned that something was different, but maybe, maybe talk to us about your childhood and how, you had a different interest in music where I learned early on that I couldn't sing. I couldn't dance. I couldn't perform, but my goal Tell me you played basketball though. I was really fat. And so I made the team cause I went to private school and I didn't, uh -huh. I didn't get in shape until college, but I played basketball on the Nintendo. And, <laughs> Wait, but, how, how tall are you? You're pretty tall though, aren't you? I'm almost, I'm six, 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 five. <sighs> I, I, I know dude, but you know what? I didn't peak early. And I'm grateful uh -huh. for that. I don't have any sports-related injuries. I didn't have my first pistol. <laughs> I was 20. And so kind of the theme of my life is a late bloomer. But okay, I was on the nothing team. Wrong I just, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I didn't have any gifts. I didn't have hidden talents. And I tried out for every talent show. I tried to be Donnie Wahlberg, New Kids on the Block. Got my ear. <laughs> got a magnetic earring. Um, that didn't go so well. Tried to be um, the baritone in Boys to Men, Patti LaBelle's son. That did not go so well. And this was right when, um, what was the song that came out? Into the Road. And I oh, thought yeah. it would be cool to have. Isn't it Patti LaBelle's son? Um, no, no, no. Nah. So, Is it? Is from Boys to Men? Yeah. The one None that's the been. One, it's not, maybe it's not Patti LaBelle, but the, the guy that had the deep bass, the deep voice. Michael McCurry? Michael McCree. No, no, not Michael. No, the one, not, not Nathan, not Michael, not Sean. Wanye? The one that, no, not Wanya. Maybe it's Michael. The one who's got, who's been sick. He's got like MS, Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Michael. Yeah. I thought his Mike. mom was not, 
Patty LaBelle or somebody famous. No. You know what it is? <laughs> My favorite show as a kid was the Jeffersons and the next door neighbor who they had the first interracial relationship on television, the African-American lady, you know who her son is? Lenny Kravitz. That's what it was. So I, yeah. I was trying to get there somewhere. Okay. Back, back to your childhood. <laughs> tell, tell us, tell us the story. Tell us what got you to, to where you realized that you had to do something to go and impact the world differently. Um, I'm a military kid. So, you know, we kind of, uh, air force brat grew up in the traveling around the world every couple of years. Um, and I don't know, I started, you know, you said you sort of gravitate to whatever your talent is. I've been singing since I was about six years old, church choirs. Um, and then uh, something that I just always loved to do that even in high school, I ended up doing the theme park shows. I would go to high school till what, two or three o'clock and then get over to Six Flags Great Adventure and do the last three shows there until the summer. And then we did six shows a day, uh, five days a week sort of thing. So it's kind of like a, a training ground. But um, singing all the church choirs growing up, um, singing all the talent shows. Uh, people always said I was I was good. I don't think I realized if I was or not. To this day, I still don't realize that if I'm being honest. Um, but um, no way. Yeah, you really. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to take the the compliments sometimes from people, even to this day, because it's like there's a lot of pressure to live up to <laughs> when people think you're so great. And you're like you're like I mean I think I'm good, but. You that's guys. the that's the beauty of a song is you literally your, your song and your voice will literally live forever, yeah, for, for forever. And I don't I don't have that ability, and so I just hope to be connected to people like you. Where you know part of the obsession is I want to introduce people to Delius and to All for One that are my age, that are younger, that are that are older than me, because they just didn't have the the ability to go and and, and you know become your fan. And but your songs will literally live, and your accolades will literally live forever. I think what being a military kid and moving from base to base and all that, it's one of the things I always wanted to do was try to leave a piece of myself there at the base, whether it was lettering on a track or getting your name on a, a plaque that stills that sits at the school or something. I've always kind of wanted to leave, uh, you know, a print or an imprint somewhere that I've been. And then the music is the same way. Um, like you said, long after I'm gone, the songs will be around. The videos will hopefully still be around somewhere, even if it's on YouTube. I was talking to um, TJ Jackson from uh, from 3T. We we're having this conversation about how great it is that being at a young age, we can look back when we're really you know old and be like, we have video movement, not just a picture of you know from 19 whatever. It's like we have videos of interviews, what we were looking like, what we did when we were 20, and all that to you know kind of archive and look back on and, and to enjoy in our life. So I'm kind of glad yeah. in that aspect of. Uh, this industry is kind of like documenting. Yeah. So hopefully when I, if I live to be 90, I can look back and be like, ah, oh, that was moving Delia at 20. Dude, you should you look know? at it now. You, you, oh, you I do. Are... I still look back. It, but I look back with critiques though. I'm trying to get yeah. to that place where I don't look back with critiques. Like I swear we'll come on the radio instead of just enjoying what it is. I'm listening to the sound of my voice when I was there that year. And I'm looking back, what could I have done different? You know, really, is that the best? But I know it's horrible, isn't it? Mm. That's I, <laughs> no. I've been, I've done television and stuff, and I've never once watched any of my interviews because it makes me cringe. Yeah, well, not, and again, but it's not like the same. It's just I'm trying to sound smart, and you can tell that I'm trying to sound smart. And then the few times that I've seen it, I just turn it off, and I'm like, well, they're never going to call me again. And yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, okay, so so back to you. So who is you know? I'm trying to think if you're you're probably five or six years older than me, but we, we probably have a lot of the same crossover, but who, who were the groups when you were a kid? Was it Icy Brothers? Was it Stevie Wonder? Was it the Jacksons? Who, who were the definitely groups that... Stevie Wonder, um, Michael Jackson, big one was Luther Vandross, obviously. You know that, Peebo Bryson, uh, um, Patti LaBelle's. Peebo Bryson most... maybe the most underrated voice, top five mm -hmm. most underrated voice of all time. Oh, definitely. He's got a song that I, I warm up to um, called It's Impossible. Mm. That's not a big hit or anything like that, but it was just an album cut on a record, but just a big vocal all throughout the whole song called Impossible. Yeah, look it up if you haven't heard it. Um, I'm, I'm looking up on my phone real quick. My my favorite Peebo song is kind of poppy, um, but uh, if, if you you're ever in my arms again. Oh, yeah. 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 You didn't be, if you're, yeah. Oh, that, and it's, it's he, he kind of. You're in my arms again. Yes. I love it. But it, it yeah. brought, like, to me, that introduced people to the idea of James Ingram, 
who James Ingram mm-hmm. was, I think, again, one of the most underrated voices of all time. But I think if it wasn't for a Peebo Bryson, if it wasn't for Teddy Pendergrass, there probably wouldn't have been a, a Peebo Bryson. There probably wouldn't have been a James Ingram. And, yeah. you know, every, everything could have been different. But I, I love to hear you say that. That Yeah, that song, um, and I'm a big James Ingram fan as well. Ooh. I used to sing all his songs at talent shows oh. back in the day. Find 100 Ways, Just Once, all those. Oh. Um, um, what was I going to say? People Bryson? I forgot. But yeah, Stevie Wonder, People Bryson, Luther. Mm. Oh, and the surprising one is, because um, he's living in Canada, um, Olivia Newton-John. I know you're oh, thinking, what? Why? No, no. She's unbelievable. She is unbelievable. That's where I think I learned my tone from. But before all the vocal tricks and everything, it was all about just pure tone. And she's got nothing but pure tone. Did you learn about her from Greece or from Let's Get Physical, from Xanadu? What was the Libby Newton-John? Um, let's see. What was the first one I heard from her? Maybe. Maybe Xanadu. 1980. It was in Canada. 80 to 83. So whatever. Oh, you was lived in Canada. Time. Yeah. Because oh, so. of military. Yeah. So 80 to 83, whatever record was out, I don't know if Xandu was out at that time, but I used to go back and get all of her old stuff, Happy Never Been Mellow and all that, all those stuff. I used to go to the library where they had like the records that you can like, you know, rent out and listen to. Dude, I will go listen to them all. Imagine being, so I'm 42. Imagine I did this when I was three or four years old and it evolved to where on Saturdays, my mom would drop me off at Tower Records when I was seven years old and then Sound Warehouse when I was a teenager. But yeah, I've rented Olivia Newton-John records, believe it or not. So yeah, um, more than awesome. me. Okay, so so who who was when you decided to go and actually turn this into something? Who was the person? Where again, the nickname Little Luther obviously is as good of a compliment as you can get. And fun fact, you know how Luther Vandross got his start? Um, yes, with uh, Bowie and uh, um, what was the what was the group? Searching, searching. No, it was David Bowie. He was a back. Yeah, before. David. Bad back was it? Did David Bowie do the searching? What song? Bad Boys Having a Party? Something nope, that it, David Bowie. What was the song that David Bowie had? Um, that had I'll, him and one of his background singers on it that he used forever. I, I forget, but I it, it could not have been a more polar. I'm like I was watching a documentary mm-hmm. on Bowie, who I'm not like a huge fan of, but I just want to know as much as I can. And I was like, that guy looks really familiar. And then they like they're like, oh, Luther Vandross is like, what in the actual hell? This this powerful oh, yeah. soulful soulful voice, but. People that know music know that David Bowie is, was probably one of the most talented musicians of all time. And, you know, I don't know if he gave Luther his break or not, but either way, um, fun little music trivia. So, so who was the person back when you, you know, you moved all over Canada, New York, obviously you ended up in L.A. But who, who was the one at the time that you said, I can I can do that. And I'm going to do my version of it. Um, probably Luther. Um, Luther and New Edition were like what you call it, because, you know, as a kid. Every, every black kid wanted to be part of New Edition. It's like these kids on TV doing all this choreography and singing. It's like, I'm that age. I can do that, <laughs> you know? And every then, white uh, kid did too. I want to be a part of ABC. I wanted to be an, another <laughs> bad creation. When that ABC? music video came out for Aisha, it was uh-huh. our very first date. I couldn't stay out that late. We played Nintendo. I was like, I play Nintendo. And yeah, <laughs> they, they didn't ask yeah. me to be a part of it, but and new new addition. Wow. So did you ever try to be a part of some of those groups at a younger age? Um, no, not at a younger age. My, my my parents were, you know, my dad's like strict. It was all about school. <laughs> he ain't doing nothing to you uh, graduate and get a diploma. And mm. uh, yeah, until I got my diploma in 92 from uh, Maryland. And then I uh, moved right out to Los Angeles. And, uh, were, you, were you there with Wayne and Tisdale? No, I know that name. I met him. That's why I wasn't there yeah. with him. What year was he there? Was he? He would have been there. He would have been there. Like he was a friend of mine. He passed away uh, probably ten years ago. But mm-hmm. you would have known him. He was on the basketball team, but he also was a professional saxophone player. And yeah. he would go and play with uh, Branford Marcellus on Jay Leno's uh-huh. uh, on, on Jay Leno's show. But then he made it an NBA, and he, he passed away unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, He's, I know the name because of the sax. Yeah, um, we met him playing sax on some talk show or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so graduated 19 years old, moved to LA and then, um, you know, obviously you get some significantly huge breaks and I, I know that we've never met, but we're Facebook friends, but I lived in LA, tried to do the acting thing. And obviously it, 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 here I am not doing the acting thing, but you know, odds are stacked against you no matter what, even Definitely. if you have a, a true talent. So what was, what was that kind of baptism? What, what did that look like? 
Well, it was like like you just said, you move there and everybody is uh, your friend, but nobody's really your friend. Everybody's promising you this and that, and no one can do this or that. And it actually came for me at a karaoke contest is where I met the fellas at. The, uh, my, one of my best friends invited me to the, uh, their area where they live at in Lancaster uh, for a karaoke contest that was paying $977. And I was considering moving back to Virginia because after a year of nothing, you know, I'm like too many people out here trying to do the same thing. I might as well just leave. And uh, she invited me up to the karaoke contest to win $977. And we tied against, I tied against Jamie and Tony, the black guy and the white guy in the group. And then we came back for the finals and we all lost. And I was like, great. Did you know each other before the contest? No. And yes. (laughs) All right. So to go back further, it's, this is a, what I always call our God story. So I didn't technically know them. But when I was living in California in the 80s, because I lived at Edwards Air Force Base, which is right outside Lancaster, uh, California, where they all live. Um, I was in the church choir there. And Jamie's aunt was one of our choir directors. And when we had our choir anniversary. She invited this young kid to sing at our anniversary. And I was a, maybe like 13. So Jamie would have been about 10, 9 or 10. And he got up there. A little kid comes up there and he sings. And I'm sitting in the audience and I'm like, I, I remember this so clearly. I said, wow, that little kid is amazing. He's going to be something someday, hmm. you know? And then that was it. And we moved away. And I moved back, you know, after college and uh, went to the karaoke contest and met them up. We lost. And then Jamie said, I've got this producer in church that has this song that says we could uh, possibly get a record deal if we can learn the song. The song was so, so much in love. Hmm. And so we got together, we learned it, and we went to Magic Mountain and rehearsed it. And sometime at Magic Mountain rehearsing, because we rehearsed all day at Magic Mountain, Tunnel Vision just started hitting me. As he kept, we kept singing, I kept hanging out with them. I looked at him and I was like, can I ask you a question? He's like, what? Did you ever used to sing at a, a, a church at Edwards Air Force? like, yeah, my aunt was a choir director. I had this one song these made me sing all the time. And he started singing it. And I was like, oh my. It's the little kid that I no said way. was going to be something someday. I had no idea because wow. I moved away and came back later. And wow. that's all I always said was the God plan. Because you know, when yeah. I said, you know, he's going to be something someday, God was laughing. <laughs> Just I love that. Here's, here's, a, here's a pop quiz question. What was the song that you sang in the karaoke contest? Oh, my go-to song for when I wanted to win something was Billy Vera and the Beaters. What did you think I would do at this moment? I would always win with that song. I didn't win wow. that time. But <laughs> that was always wow. my go-to song. That's what I sing on Arsenio as well, when I won Arsenio. Wow. I did not remember the song. Um, and yeah. if I would have, that would have been proven that I that I cheated. But um, is I'll there such thing as like, you. yeah, send it to me. Is there such yeah. thing as karaoke, like hustling, like how people go to pool halls? Is, is, can you do that? Is that Oh, like absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I used to, when I, <laughs> when I moved to California, there was this Mexican restaurant I think El Torito or something like that. We used to have a karaoke contest every Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. And the prize was like $50 to $100 or something like that. And, you know, whoever the best one of the night was got the money. I showed up every day. <laughs> I know they were tired of seeing me. <laughs> when I won, the majority of them was like, I get to eat another week, so I'm not mad. <laughs> there's, there's no rules in karaoke. None. Um, okay, so so you moved there. You, you almost moved back home. You, you make nine hundred seventy-seven dollars singing your go-to song, and then I didn't make that money. That was the oh, prize shit. money. Shoot, you lost. Yeah, we lost. Yeah. Okay, well, you lost, and you're about to mm-hmm. head back to Virginia. What was the moment where maybe it was another God thing that you re- you realized that you you had to just stay? Well, the 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 consolation prize from the karaoke contest was that you get a videotape of your performance of what you call it, and just so happened. That same night or the night before, Arsenio had just announced on TV, I'm having this Flavor of the Future contest, which is like an American Idol style contest. Send all your videotapes in. We're going to shoot some people and we're going to have them do their show, come on our show and perform and compete. And I just got my tape. So I'm like, you just announced it last night. I went home, FedEx, even though I live right in the area, I want to make sure they got it, signed for it <laughs> and everything. And then I was one of the 10 that they chose. Uh, to be on the show. And then from there, 
the guys actually did get a record deal. When they first told me they had a record deal, I was like, whatever. How many times I've heard that before in Los Angeles and nobody has a record deal. So um, the guys saw me on that contest and they're like, remember the guy we, we what's called? Let's call him to be a part of the group. And so uh, I get a, I come home from my temp job at Saban Entertainment and I get this voicemail from the A&R guy from this independent label pretty much offering me a record deal over the phone. And I thought it was a friend of mine playing jokes. I'm like, but I couldn't pick up the voice. So I called back and I'm being like in the ass. I'm like, yeah, so uh, someone's handing out record deals over the phone because that's how it happens, you know? And he's talking and at the end of the conversation, he's like, well, it doesn't sound like you're interested in being a part of the, the group. But the guys, you know, Jamie and Tony said for the karaoke contest that you might be. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I was like, start with that. <laughs> yeah. This is don't before caller ID. Some... Yeah. It hangs up just... in your toast. <laughs> yeah, right? Don't just start with some random guy calling you with a record deal. Start with, what you know, how do you know me, first of all? And then, so yeah, that, I came down. That, and... that turned into all for one? That turned into all for one. I came down and auditioned for the... Uh, the president, and then three months later, so much in love was on its way to top five. Oh my god! So this was within one year of moving to LA. One year. Um. So, yeah. like, did you learn about the? You know, obviously, you come from a military background, and you've got uh, regiments, and you've got routine. But the the sacrifices that you obviously still have to make, and being a public figure and somebody who is a very well known and recognizable celebrity, and then when you speak, you're even more well known. But those sacrifices and those adjustments come, you know, obviously at a different time, but what was the first phase of really realizing that at that age in your twenties and your thirties, however old you were, it wasn't going to look like pretty much anyone else that you knew. Um, what was the moment? Uh, or, or just like, what was the first thing you're like, okay, this is not, this is, this is different. And you got a top five song. This is pre Grammy and this is pre, you know, in everybody's ear on everybody's radio. What did that look like? I'm a, I'm a weird person. <laughs> uh, you'll, as long as you keep talking to me, you'll figure out I'm a little weird. So am I. I, I, um, I. I never lived in the moment of any of that until well after the heyday to look back at. Does that make sense? Because when, mm -hmm. when, when So Much In Love went top five, was I was excited, yeah, but I was like, oh no, don't get too excited. I've seen this, it'll all go away. You know, I don't want to, which I didn't try to tell many people until they saw the video themselves. I'm like, oh no, but you know, you can have one single, one hit one, that's it, it'll all go away. And then I swear it came out and it started going to number one. And I was like, really? It was the most popish song on our then album, which was an RB record. And I was like, they like this song, they love this song. And then it's number one for one week. I'm like, oh my gosh, got number one hit, that's great. But that's, that's too good to be true. Not two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, 11 weeks, number one, I'm like, most would be like, holy crap. I was like, this is too good to be true. Don't spend no money. <laughs> Don't call it save everything. Next record comes out, love you like that. So I thought, I'm like, I don't know. You know, just be conservative and skills goes. And I'm like, people are coming to the concerts and they're buying them like, I'm having a good time, but I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, it's too good to be true. It's going to end. And I don't want to be so excited that it ends and then like crash, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it wasn't until years later that I'm like, okay, just stop. <laughs> just stop and look back of all that you've done, you know? And we've done some, some things that most groups have never been, have never been able to do, not even just music wise, but we've sang for kings, we've sang for presidents, we've sang. <laughs> You know, all these crazy things that you just have to look back and be like, wow. Do you, re do you regret not, I, and I, I, I struggle with this daily where I never, I don't even know if it's stopping the smell in the roses, but I have a very fear-based way of op operating or leading <laughs> my businesses or whatever. Like we have a, a newborn, you're breaking up on me for some reason. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks, buddy. You're, I'm losing you for some reason. Uh, well, both uh, video or uh, audio? Um, video. It's, you're, you're breaking out. You're breaking out. I don't know what's happening. Hmm. Sorry. Hmm. I can I can hear you, but 
It's it's the video um, just froze. Yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, obviously we're gonna and I, and I should I should have told you this where um, this is gonna be uh, hopefully pretty widespread. It'll be on XM Radio. It'll be on iTunes, all that kind of stuff. But the company that there, I can see it now. Uh, okay. The company that's essentially managing me, they're trying to make this um, kind of be the, the foremost, the most, whatever, the most popular music podcast on any platform, but we're coupling it with video too. So um, okay. I should have told you that before we started. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, what I, what I was kind of saying is that as someone who's found relative success, where a big difference is that 99% of my success is that I just grind my ass off. Not that you don't, but I have no, I don't have a God given talent, but I'm 42. I've done this. I've done real estate for 22 years and I've literally never taken a day to just be like, wow, this is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And I think it's in large part where it doesn't excite me. I, if I could do anything all day, it would be this. If I could talk to you all day and document your life and just live inside your stories, it fills my heart different. And um, again, that's what's been so special about this is it's connected me to my literal heroes where I can tell you when you're talking about I can love you like that. And I swear, one of my first favorite songs was a song called Life's a Dance by John Michael Montgomery. And so I like my two genres of choice were always R&B, soul and country, R&B and then country. And so when I first heard y'all y'all sing and fun fact i'll send you a facebook message but i have the original working lyrics to i can love you like that in my collection so um you'll you'll, you'll you can appreciate that but anyway it was so fascinating to me that what what year would this have been when your first number one came out when uh, 94. so i the i don't I, when would the when did the bodyguard by whitney come out or when did 93 or 92. so it was right before it where I remember as a Dolly Parton fan, but an even bigger Whitney fan, when I Will Always Love You came out, I was like, this is this is so huge for music. It's an opportunity to cross over differently because it was a song written and originally performed by Dolly, but made a different kind of popular, obviously, by one of the greatest voices of all time. But then when you guys did it, I even as a 12-year-old, I was like, man, this is a different kind of special. And this is going to introduce a different kind of crossover music. But maybe what, what's the story with how that even came to light. Cause I think John Michael Montgomery released it first. Yeah. And he released that one first. We released, well, he released them both first. We recorded, I can look like that first, but he beat us to the punch. I'll tell you about that later. Um, well, how did that happen though? Like how did y'all get access from someone who doesn't really know the, the music industry, the singer songwriter industry? Mm -hmm. What was that like, especially in the early nineties? Well, well, I swear, um, we had finished the record, our debut record. And, uh, the president of the label, Doug Morris, at the time, or actually the president of Warner, um, called us into his office to critique a song. And we're thinking, oh, he respects us enough to ask us our, our critique some song. And he played us John Michael Montgomery's I Swear. And we're like, yo, it's got great lyrics, um, very cool country song, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, I want you guys to sing it. And then we were like, what? Why? It's country. <laughs> you know, because we're newbies and we don't understand He's like, we're going to put you back into the studio with David Foster, and he's going to do what he did with I Will Always Love You to this song, at which point we're all like, okay, <laughs> say no more. And if, he, if he can really do that. I didn't realize David Foster was a part of yours and Whitney. Oh, exactly. That's the magic there. Um, no way. So we, a, we, we went back into the studio with David, and we recorded it. And the on the first uh, 500,000 copies of our record, I swear it's not listed on the credits because we'd already done everything. CD had been manufactured. It's only a red sticker. If you have it, it's a rarity. It's only a red sticker that says also includes the hit, I swear. No way. Well, yeah. I'm going I'm going straight to eBay after this because, um, uh, I, 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 you good? Um, okay, Go so, so um, it's okay. If you got to go talk to someone, do your thing. Okay. Someone was opening the door. I just wanted to mute it before I was like, front door. Oh, you're, you're good. Okay, so okay. so so that happens. It catapults you to another layer, and, and you're still – I don't know if you struggle with being too humble or, or living like the world's going to end, and I, I think mine is normally the latter. But did you ever have a moment when you're on this rocket ship to – I mean, you've won freaking Grammys. Was there ever a moment where you could live there and be like, all right, I – 
I'm, I'm here. I've done what 99.99% of people on, on earth that have a gift will never, ever do. And that's reach the mountaintop. Yeah, I, I did that years after, you know, um, the, the height of the success. But the Grammys was just like something crazy because we sang at the Grammys that year as well. So not even just being at the Grammys and winning one, we had to walk out on that stage with John Michael. It was a, a do what we did, if I swear. And uh, walking on that stage and just looking into the front row, I had to like just calm myself down and be like, try not to look at anybody. Look right back at the lights or the camera because front row was like Luther, babyface, Whitney. Every music you can think of was like staring at you like, show us what you can do. I'm like, oh, what have I gotten myself into? But like Arsenio, I told myself, just play for the people in the room and don't look at anybody. And then Jamie, he didn't take my advice. <laughs> so Jamie was the one backstage when we separated the song with uh, John Michael. It's like, okay, we're going to do this. John Michael, you're going to come in here. We're going to come in here. And then Jamie, you do the ad lib here and you let John Michael do this. Jamie got on the stage and forgot John Michael was on the stage at all and just sang over all his parts. I'm like, Jamie, let the man sing, <laughs> you know, on the ad libs at the end. Wow. So he's like, I'm sorry. I got nervous and everything. I just thought it was one of our concerts. I was like, I see. <laughs> Wow. Or John Michael. <laughs> wow. Did you meet Luther for the first time that night? No, I met Luther for the first time at the Hollywood Bowl. He's performing there. And I, I got to go backstage. Our, my manager got us backstage. And I got a chance to actually meet him and say hello. And I was just like, I think it was kind of quiet. You'd be, and I talk a lot sometimes. But like, I, couldn't, I was dumbfounded. I was like, I didn't want to look stupid. I was like, I wish he would have just said something like Delius. If he would have said my name, like he knew me, I lost it. You, you know who actually did do that, though? <laughs> Patty LaBelle. I went really? stage at one of her concerts. Well, I wasn't expected to be there. Some friends of mine wanted me to go to a Patty LaBelle concert in New Jersey. And I was like, okay, let's go. And he's like, you should go back and try to say hello. I'm like, oh, they don't know I'm here. And, you know, people are going to be like, no. So we went up to the door and he's like, can you tell Patty that Delius and for One is here and like to say hello? And he came back. He's like, right this way. I was like, for real? <laughs> wow and my friends were like see all you have to do is ask and I went back there and she's got this whole space with people out there and she's in her dressing room and I walked back there she's like hey baby come on over here I'm like oh my god dressing room? and she's taking off her heels she's like hey you hungry she's taking off her shoes and sitting down you know I need something to eat I'm like oh no 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 I don't want to sit to go down and get something to eat I'm like, I'm like is Pat about treating me like she knows me when she oh is, she's god. like I'd heard her say one time that I was one of her favorite voices back then, too. She told somebody else. So I was like, dude, lost my like, mind. you got to own it. You like, I the, know. And, and this is this is part of it, too, that this is I don't like music made after the year 2000. And I know it. And I think like part of my ego, I have to know everybody. But I truly believe that we had we had the, like you as a profession, me as a fan was the greatest era in music other than the 60s. Absolutely. And I feel like you and Wanye, I don't, there's no one that can compete with the two of y'all, literally. And, and I'm sure y'all are friends and you know him, but there's Wanye's no one else. There's no, but there's no one else like y'all ever. And, and this is questions for later in the conversation, or maybe it's now, but what the hell happened? Like what, what happened where like the innocence and the soul and the, just the gripping part of your voice and an R&B genre what happened? Why, why did that whole air? Like music is cyclical, man. It just changes, you know, and you have to wait for the circle to come back around. Um, I think that happens. That's been happening since the, you know, time, you know, um, back in the nineties, what made the nineties so great was it was so diverse with music, you know, radio for the first time seemed like it wasn't, um, uh, segregated, you know, back in the day, R and B artists would be on the R and B stations and you'd have your R and B stars and all that. But back in the 90s, like Kiss FN and all these mainstream pop stations were playing, uh, they're playing Sublime, they're playing Brandy, they're playing All for One and Boys to Men, they were playing uh, the, the grunge scene, they were playing, everything was mixed together. It wasn't like, you know, we can't play this because it doesn't fit. And then somewhere along the way, just another you know, R&B artists are back on the R&B stations. Or if the R&B, if there is R&B, listen, another different conversation but if there is r&b on the pop stations it's usually by a white artist doing r&b you know saving r&b as they say with sam smith or something like that he was talented and not taking anything from him at all but every one of his songs sounds the same 
Uh, yeah, but if a black artist did that, they wouldn't play it on Kiss FM these days. Uh, the unless it was inappropriate lyrics. And that's the thing that pisses me off now. And even before I was a dad, and obviously our daughter, she's nine weeks old, but I, I, I try hard, like Lizzo. Lizzo mm -hmm. is unbelievably yeah. talented. Un yeah. And she's a flautist. And she could literally, like, her voice is incredible. But, like, we, like, unfortunately, what sells now is the controversy. And yeah. I don't even know who, I, I don't even, in the last 10 or 15 years, there's a few guys, there's a guy named Pink Sweat, who you may or may not heard of, but he's phenomenal. But, like, take a deep dive. What does Pink Sweat probably stand for? And it's just, it's inappropriate. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, even the, the weekend, the weekend's unbelievable. Chris Brown is unbelievable, but mm -hmm. their stuff is not like, it's not innocent, but what, what, like it, it's cyclical. But if you think about it, like the groups, um, I was just on the phone earlier with Duke Fakir of the four tops. And you think about mm -hmm. these groups, the temptations, the four tops, the spinners, yeah. all these people that paved the way. And what I love about the temptations more than anything is people don't know this, but from a civil rights perspective, Elvis, but really the temptations were the first group to bring black and white people together in the same room where they connected over music. And, and I think mm -hmm. that they set the pace for, you know, so many people ahead of time, but soul and R and B really is the only genre that lasted for 50 or 60 years where yeah. disco came and went pop came and went, but all of a sudden it's literally like all of a sudden 2000 hits or even like 2005 and Casey and Jojo maybe were the last big group that obviously derived from, from Jodeci, but, what do you think it was? You think yeah. the world just got mad? I don't know, man. Like, I don't. There are no R and B groups even today. I think. I I don't know, man. It, I know music changed. The sound changed a little bit, but it's like nobody wants to say "I love you" anymore. It's like it's the, it's the most simplest thing. It's like everybody, like you said, wants to be lewd uh, and say this, you know, off-putting thing. Everybody's like, "Yo, did you hear what she said?" It's like. Nobody wants to romance anymore. Or, I don't know. I don't understand it. But it, it's, I think it's proven that people want it because people are falling back to the 90s for their music. You know, so it all comes down to, well, you know, it always comes down to the, to the business model and clear channel. And you have these people that, uh, well, I don't want to name anybody in case you try to get on one of the stations. <laughs> you might want to edit that out. But all the big the suits that don't listen to music you know, that are worried about numbers and not worried about songs. Um, and that's what it is, you know, when you're, when you're a conglomerate and you control that many stations and they all have the same playlist in every state, there's only a certain amount of songs that can make it on a, uh, a station. And they're always looking for the newest, youngest, because apparently those are the ones that uh, have the money to go to the concert. So, you know. You know what though, man, I think that, and again, I'm an old soul and I'm unique in the sense of, of music, I can appreciate it. But um, from the business side of things, ironically, last year was the first year since 1985 that vinyl records sold more than CDs. And, oh, and what? literally, and I can I'll, I'll, off record, I'll tell you all this other stuff that I'm doing that maybe you'd have an interest in, in joining me. But I tell you that I think COVID baseball cards took off, vinyl records took off, comic books took off and anything that was a tangible collectible item, which all focused around a memory. Right. And I think that mm -hmm. when you're in a dark, deep place, the thing that really grabs you no, no matter what. And the one thing we can all unite on, no matter who you worship, who you voted for is music. And so, yeah. you know, again, the timing of this, who knows what the next few months looks like for you and your career. But I, I'm holding out hope that I feel like that air, that John, that genre has literally been stagnant for two decades. And the thing that sucks more than anything, too, is that the people that are carrying the torch from y'all aren't talented. They just have songwriters that know how to go and get a, yeah. a 14 year old to download a song for a dollar. Yeah. They're not looking for uh, they're not looking for talent these days. That's another thing they're not looking for. They're not looking for talent and record labels are not looking to develop anybody into anything. So these days we don't have a new Whitney or a new Peebo or a new Bowie or that matter of fact, in today's times, they probably wouldn't have signed a Bowie or an Elton because they don't have the look of what they want, you know, yeah, they wouldn't sign the Luther because he was too big, Patty because her nose was too big. You know, like you're not pretty enough to be a celebrity. Yeah, in today's times, you know. Uh, offshoot mm -hmm. question with this: um, You think reality competition shows have helped or hurt? Um, I don't know if they hurt. 
these days, I don't feel like reality competitions these days are finding anybody that's actually doing anything. Maybe maybe they're doing some streams or so. Fantasia um, Perino was amazing back in the day. I'll say, yeah, but back in the day, Idol, back in the day was actually Discovering Stars. And you think of everybody that came from that show to, to a certain time um, with Clarkson and Fantasia and Underwood and Sparks. And, you know, it just the list would go on a little bit. But like around season seven, I think we had burnout of it. And I'm not sure if the model changed because when they first started, it was like as soon as the winner was announced, their song was out, you know, the next day and their album was out, you know, within a few weeks. Now, uh, I'm not sure when they put a song out, but their albums definitely come out way after people have lost interest or remember that they were the winner from that show, you know? So, but yeah, back in the day, I thought it was great. I would never miss an episode of American Model back in the day. I loved it. Same. Um, oh, yeah. Ruben's, Ruben Stutter. Think about the ones that would have played like a B-side Luther song. I mean, Ruben Stutter obviously was all R&B. And then... Flying Without Wings. Loved it. Yep. And then Fantasia Barino, Taylor Hicks, Soul Patrol. Where yeah, was Taylor was... He was unbelievable. I wanted to see him in Vegas. It was amazing. Seriously? And he, he, was, he could have been our generation's Joe Cocker with a little bit of like a... Frankie Valley, which, you know, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But, um, okay, so while, while we're still talking about your accomplishments and the stuff that you struggle with celebrating, if you had to make a list of your the things that you're most proud of, like literally like a tangible, like, award, whether it's a Grammy, number one song for 11 weeks, what, what, what do you look back on up to this point at the halfway point of your career or a, a third of the way through? What, what, what are the things that, that stand out the most? I don't know if it would be an, an award or anything like that. I'd be most proud of. I'm definitely proud of those those things. I think it would, to me, would be the, the thing I'm most proud of would be my accomplishment that I actually had a goal and I did it. You know, whether even if it wasn't successful or whatever, I'm like okay, I want to get a record deal and have a re record out, and I did it. Um, everything else after that, I think, would go from relationships would probably be on the list as far as, you know, meeting some of the people that I've analyzed and speaking with them and having a relationship with some of them. Um, and then the awards will be like, oh, yeah, I've got a Grammy. I've got an American Music Award. I've got international equivalents pretty much of all of them. So it's like, yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that I get to go to different countries and perform and that people know me in different countries and still pay a ticket in places where I'm like, we, did, we recorded these songs in a small studio in Chatsworth, California, and I'm in Jakarta. <laughs> and they're like singing these songs like, wow, it's amazing how you go around the world and uh, meet all kinds of people. And they all love the song. They love you. I love it. Pivoting to the uh, business side of, of Delius and all the stuff that you continue to do. And you take the approach of no matter what I do, I'm never going to be good enough for myself. You also are the brains and the uh, the and the um, strategy behind a literal film festival. So yeah, let maybe maybe shed some light on that and, and educate us as to the story behind that, what it's called, and what you do with it. Yeah, I'm in the midst of getting that off the, uh, the ground for this year. Now we just announced our, our acceptance people. Um, but it, I, I love to take all the credit for that. But it actually wasn't even my idea. Uh, it was my uh, my best friend's idea. To uh, his name is Ron Chupa. And uh, we used to always go with a group of people to uh, Catalina Island, which is a West Coast resort island off the coast of uh, Los Angeles or Long Beach, uh, for his birthday every uh, year. And we'd all, like, you know, just camp out, you know, six, seven, eight people in a small place, some of us sleeping on the floors and, you know, just camping out. And then one day he was like, you know what? This theater right here on the island is the first theater ever built for sound. Um, Marilyn Monroe lived here. Cecil B. DeMille did his things here. Charlie Chaplin screened his talkie films here. Like, why isn't there a film festival on this island? It was Hollywood's island. He's like, I'm like, I don't know. He said, there should be. I'm like, there probably should. And so then that was it for me. And then he came back uh, maybe a couple weeks later. And it was like, punks down this business plan. He's like, boom, here it is. I'm like, what is it? He's like, it's the Catalina Film Festival. Oh, who's doing that? I'm like, we are. I'm like, we I don't know nothing about a film festival. He's <laughs> like, all we have to do is year one. We'll work itself out. I'm like, Ron, I don't know anything about a film festival. And uh, somehow we did that year one. 
And every year, this is we're in year twelve right now. We're this our twelfth year. So yeah, um, was that two thousand ten? I think we started, and uh, we got that off the ground. And then year two, um, we just started getting all this interest from Hollywood. I mean, we've had everybody out to that festival. I'm like, it's another one of those like, I don't know how we do it, but in attendance at our festival, we've had Sharon Stone, William H Macy. John Favreau, Ed Begley, um, Stan Lee gave us the Avengers on the opening night of the Avengers. No way. I was like, how are we playing the Avengers on the opening night of the Avengers? I was like, we've had so many amazing people come to the uh, to the festival, and it's not a lot. It's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. There are times where I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to wrap this up. <laughs> you yeah. know. But uh, yeah, twelve years in, and it happens yeah. this year. It's uh, September twenty first to the twenty fifth. Congratulations, man! What a thank you. Of, cor- of course, you created a film festival, and it's made it past the decade. And it's kind of <laughs> part part of the theme of maybe, maybe next you take up like you're an author and you write a. You're like I had another best selling book, but I'm I'm bored with that, so I'm going to become a sculptor, or you're going to go and create create a, car- a cure for something. Here's a talk uh, show like you. That's what I'm gonna do. Well, do it with me. Bye. Let's let's interview Flash people together. Tonight. I, I love it. Well, well, I have that. I'm not doing. <laughs> I'm just like like I'm not on camera. La, 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 la. <laughs> what are you gonna say tonight? Um, what? Um, I have actually a, a, a talk show that I started in, in L.A. before I moved back over here to Virginia um, called Flashback Tonight, and it's when you were saying something earlier about memories, I'm like, that's what it's all about. People want to relive a time in the memory or nostalgia. And so Flashback Tonight was because a talk show, I, it's a live studio audience talk show first, where I um, interview all our favorite people from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, actors, uh, comedians, singers, and I've had everybody on that show as well. Richard Marks has come on to sing, Rick Springfield, Karen White, um, Taylor, Taylor Dane, just a bunch of uh, great uh People have come on to the show to be a part of it. By the way, Taylor Dean can freaking wail. No, she Wait, can't. Taylor, I'm sorry, not Taylor Dean. Taylor Dane. Yeah, Taylor Dane. Tell yeah. it to my heart. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's chilling. We're on tour with her, doing dates with her this year. She is also aged like a fine bottle of wine. That, she <laughs> looks like she's 24 years old. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, here's a loaded question. I, uh, so a lot of the stuff that I do with real estate is with uh, celebrities, athletes, high-profile people that, you know, the saying goes, sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes. And yeah. uh, there's been people that I've met, not through this. This is this is my most proud moment uh, are these things. And I feel like I'm making a different kind of difference. And um, it's 100% genuine. It's not a moneymaker for me. It's, it's because it's a mission. But um, with the music stuff and the mu- and the movie stuff, which... Again, uh, the, you're probably the only human in the history of the world that's done what you've done. Literally, literally, with a movie festival, a Grammy, all this stuff, with kind of relative ease within a year's time. Is it hard to enjoy music and movies now since you're integrated in it differently? Um, not hard to enjoy music, but I find myself listening to older music or serious, serious XM, you know, uh, a decade of music. So new music, I'm surprised when something comes up. I'm like, they did that. That's great. Yeah. But uh, I'm always hopeful. Movies? Um, yeah, can be if the acting is not great. But mm, most of the time, anything I pick is, you know, to watch, I pretty much enjoy. Every now and then there'll be something that's done. But no, you know, I... When I when I first had a critique on thing uh, movies or TV in general was when I was in college. I took a class and my teacher said, "After you take this class, you'll never look at movies the same." And that was the truth because I came out of that class and I would see things in movies. I'm like, "Is that a boom mic? Is that?" A-? And people were just like, "Just enjoy the movie." But I couldn't for the longest time because I kept looking at things. Like, why would they do that? Why would they do this? Mm. I'm past that now. <laughs> I like that. By the way, I just re- I just realized that above my shoulder, I believe that's Patty Labelle. Um, or is it Gladys Knight? It? I can't see it. It's Gladys Knight. Never mind. Who's He's a beast uh, too. Yeah. That, listen, I'll, I, I'll be a pip any day. Um, She's a beast with a voice that still keeps going. What's she? She's got to be in her eighties now. Close. She's she also has aged incredibly power. well too. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Power, power, power. 
Okay. Um, music questions. Back back to the back to that. Uh, first one. You're uh, you're stuck on an island and you're only allowed one song. It doesn't have to be on repeat where it drives you crazy, but you're allowed one song forever. What is the song and why? Oh my gosh. And it can be your own song. It wouldn't be my own song. Fair enough. <laughs> I just I just critique it forever. Fair enough. <laughs> There's, is there a studio on this island? <laughs> nope. Um, one song? Yep, one song. I don't know, one of my one of my favorite songs. I don't know why I'll listen to it just forever. Would be um, Bonnie Raitt's "I Can't Make You Love Me." Ooh, you know wow. that puts me in a mood. Oh yeah, wow. You know? Um, or Maxwell, this woman's work. These are things wow. that send me into tra- tranquil. You know, harps and surrounds you. But yeah, okay. but I feel like those would be so sad to listen to for the one song forever. Yeah, you, I mean, well, you're going to be on. You don't have to be on the island by yourself. I should have said you can have all your friends uh, there, but oh, maybe not yeah. an island. Maybe you're only allowed to have one song forever. What's the song? <laughs> uh, we'll come. We'll come back to it. Yeah, send it out an SOS. Can someone hear me? <laughs> Help so, me get off this island. SOS. We'll we'll end with that question. But okay, a super group, <laughs> which um, you know, we we both grew up in the era of unintentional super groups, um, but you're, you're making a super group. Who else is in your band? And it can't be the, the guys that you're already in a band with. Oh, oh, who's in the band? Definitely Wanye. We brought that up. Have um, you heard him live? Yes. Dude. Yes. I've seen Boys to Men in concert five or six times by myself. Front row, and I've, I've received a couple of roses when they sing I'll Make Love to You. I was like, I have no, I'll take it, but you... <laughs> His voice is there's there's nothing. I mean, you obviously the two of y'all are. One is above me. That boy's got some runs for days. I'm like, usually I'm not so much of a of a running person who who, who um, tricks and all that, but sometimes he'll do some things that just send a shiver down my spine. I'm like, ah, oh. we did a show with him once, um, and I was in the wings listening to him, and he walked up the stage and was like, I just want to punch you in the throat. <laughs> that, that, that's a term of endearment. Punch you in your throat, dude. Um, so Wanya would be in the group. Uh, um, who wants to be in the group? Um, Luther, uh, anybody at, at all times or like current times? Or it'd be a weird group. Anybody, <laughs> but it can't be like your high school science teacher that you heard sing in the bathroom one time. It's got to be people. Mr. McNeese. Okay. Mr. McNeese um, did not make the group. <laughs> he's, he's cut. Um, yeah, he's cut. Um, so. Luther, I'm looking at a group of Luther, I'm looking at Wanyang, Hebo, James. But I feel like we, we, we make Secret Garden with this group. Um, oh, it'd be a hell of an R&B song. Ooh. What, what's, which, what song? Secret Garden. The Bruce Springsteen um, from, song? No, 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 no. It was a song that Barry White and James Ingram and Elder Bar. Ooh, Elder Bar's going to be in the group, too. Did back in the day. Well, you, know, you ever heard the song? Yeah, Elder Barge. Wait, the song, they had a song with, with Barry White and James Ingram in the same song? Yeah, Barry I've White, never heard the song. James Ingram, Elder Barge, and I'll Be By Sure. Way, who was the last person? I'll Be Sure. It's called Secret oh, no, Garden. Yeah. I met I'll Be Sure at a car wash one time, but I thought you said Polly Shore. I was like, oh, God, Polly Shore. <laughs> how did he find his way in that? God, no, I'll Be sure. sure. God, it makes yeah, me it's so called sad. Secret to know Garden. I, it makes me so sad. I could literally sit here for days straight and just rattle off people like Albie Shore or Maxwell or Keith Sweat or y'all. And I'm just like, I want to go and put, I want to just implant this into people's brains. And, oh. Can you imagine just, that as a concert? Like a oh. big uh, festival concert or something like some of the greatest just to, uh, to do that? Oh. And why don't you, and not why don't you just put that together? It. We'll talk about it off the air. I've got an idea. But, okay. uh, but yeah, can you imagine just one big festival where it's not even just they come out and do the song, but everybody is interacting together, singing together, and then they sing their own songs, and they come together and join on each other's song? Oh, love it. Hmm. Now you, you know? got me thinking differently. Um, what's, what's your yeah. group called? What's your super group called? <laughs> 
super group, R&B super group, <laughs> BTS. Yep. Maybe we can fool some people and they all come to the concert. <laughs> <laughs> We're, y'all, don't look, y'all don't look Asian. Sit down. You've already paid for your ticket. You're going to enjoy the show. Right. Who's your dream duet partner? I'm not here anymore. Who? None of them. Well, one of them's still here. Um, Luther would have an ultimate dream to have a partner. Um, I love the Dustin and Michael. Um, and Olivia. I love to see someone Olivia. She's really yeah. sick, isn't she? Um, uh, she's battling cancer. I'm not sure how sick she is. I think she's found the cure because she's been battling it for at least five years. Um, metastatic cancer. It's metastas- metastasized. But she's on this whole regimen that she's doing with. Uh, she grows her own um, weed and What's called and it must be working because you know she's still out kicking out. I see her doing interviews every every now and then. I think the last one been like a month ago. She looks great. Good. She was well, she she's Australian, not Canadian, isn't she? She's Australian, Mike. Australian. Um, Australian, born in England. <laughs> really? She's born in England, yeah, but she wow. moved to Australia at a young age. When you when you think of music, what do you what do you think of? Like when when the word music comes to mind, what what what? What's your immediate response? Uh, peace, like um, Zen. If it's a great song, uh, if it's a nostalgic song, it's just about memories and you know smiling and you know. Sometimes I'll be listening to songs that come on the radio that I hadn't heard in a long time, and you know, a song a song remembers when. I think that's a Trisha Yearwood song, um, but it'll tell you what you were doing back then when you first heard it, what you may have been eating, a smell, you know, and sometimes an old song will come on and I'll just sit and listen and be like, man, I remember running through the yard with my friend Chris and we were doing this and that song came on the radio. And I was like, you know, it's just great memories. Mm. What's your legacy? Oh, you got these good questions. No one's ever asked me these questions before. But it's, it's Are you serious? Say, by the way. Yeah, you, they, you really have never been asked these. Uh, let's see, because you're making me think. I'm like, um, what is a legacy? I would hope. I mean, maybe it's a soft answer. I would hope that the legacy would just be that, not besides being an artist, that the person was a good person. You know, that the the memory that they have of me is like. Man, he can sing, but what I liked the most about him was he was hilarious or he was a good person. So I like that. I like that. How do we yeah. how do we support you um, moving forward? How do we find you, whether it's a tour, it's social media, supporting you, buying your music? What do we do? And I know you mentioned before we started recording, but I want to make sure we let people know about your preferred charity for you and for all for one. But how, how do we actually go and support you moving forward? Um, well, if you want to come to any of the concerts or the shows, you can always just check us out at our website, which is allforone.com. And all of our social media stuff is just all for one music. That's A-L-L number four O-N-E music. You can keep up to date with us. And uh, anytime we release new music, it'll all go on there. And uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy the music if we continue to make uh, new records. I love it. Man. Yeah. Um, come to the concerts. Well, don't worry. I think y'all are coming to DFW uh, in the next few months, maybe, I think. Well, um, man, this was this was an hour that flew by, unfortunately, too quickly. But, you know, you, you mentioned kind of where you were when you heard a song or what you were wearing or the smell that was in the air or, or, or the feeling in your heart. But I will mm-hmm. tell you that as I've gotten older and a little bit more wise, I, I, I've always said that the times that you feel most alive are the times that you fall in love and you get your heart broken. And I can tell you that um, you, your voice, your literal voice, your group, um, that was part of the soundtrack. So much so to where my now wife, one of the songs that we first danced to when we became husband and wife, your voice was singing before you and I were friends. And so the impact that you're going to have and the legacy you're going to have is literally immeasurable. My goal is that 100 years from now, 50 years from now, whenever you and I are not on this earth and we're celebrating in heaven together, Someone's going to see this and they're going to realize that music, no matter what, can bring you the zen and the peace. And it's okay to say I love you. It's okay to say I love you in a song. And it's okay to say it in a different way than just saying I love you. And when I think of All for One and I think of Delius Kennedy, 
he's passing the torch and he's sharing his gift with people. And today um, you gave that gift to me. So thank you for your friendship, for your uh, vulnerability and for um, doing what God built you to do. And that is share your voice, both literally and figuratively. So thank you for being honest today.